Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gap best friend, a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <sighs> identity, mm. culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, we're a library of bad decisions, and the library is open. Oh. <laughs> I'm the librarian. And so I'm the true. one who has $750 worth of funds. Yes, you are. That I'm, I'm the one who still keeps sitting on. I'm the one who keeps fucking oh in the God. stacks. <laughs> have any of y'all hooked up in a library? In college. In college, oh. yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, because there would be those like weeks towards the end of the year where we'd be doing conference papers and we'd just be in there for like 48 hours straight. And it's like, I need to get... Off. Off. That is I mean, the Sarah Lawrence Library is oh a my real God. special place. Did you do it in the beanbag room? Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. This yeah. Bean the beanbag room. room? Yeah, it has like an official name, but I can't, but it's just all these beanbags that are 20 years old and covered in cum. Funky. Like it's, it's they so are just covered. Funky. Just crunchy. <laughs> crunchy. Yeah, at this the, point, they look like a glazed donut, but it's just. Oh. <laughs> they look like giant donut holes. They definitely yeah. do. Oh. They really do. In the bottom floor, towards the very end, where the, the, um, the, the 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 library sex kind of come together if you you can open them up a little bit and then just fucking there you have to be careful because like sometimes people close them so <laughs> oh my god oh right they, the the ones you rotate to mm-hmm. open love that oh, okay okay came, sneaky I came so close to blowing this super hot jock in high school on the top floor of the stacks <gasps> in high school oh damn and he was the one who was like we're gonna get caught we're gonna get caught wow. and I wanted to go for it but we didn't. And then two minutes later, my high school existentialism teacher walked in. <gasps> well, wait, no, about existential crisis. And wait, did the, did the teacher walk in and they were like, oh, well, we're going to die anyway. Yeah, I, honestly, exactly. the, so then the guy left. There's no point to That's anything. a really good existentialism joke. <laughs> For anybody paying attention. <laughs> the guy left and then I was like, well, doctor redacted. I'll blow you too. Oh, what? In my, in my head. In oh, my head. That was like the pornography of your mind. <laughs> that, oh, was, that was the fantasy. Okay. I have got to say, Dan, I did not expect that's where that was going. Yeah. <laughs> curious, curious. This yes. brings up something yes. for me. Are any of you exhibitionists? Does the thought of getting caught thrill you? To no. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. I, yeah, okay. Yes and no. I think in in the actual in execution maybe no, but in in theory it's very hot to me. Mm. See, like, like, like a big sex. dick. Public yeah. public <laughs> sex <laughs> is a big dick. That public is, sex is hot. But I only want to have public sex in a place where I'm not going to get caught in a bad way. Like right. having sex in public is hot. Yeah, but doing it in a place where you could get arrested, say or. Beat up? No, it's like right. that, that. That thrill is not. So you're like, so like a, a sex balcony. party, yes. A, a sex party, yes. Oh, a balcony, about yes. a balcony, yes. yeah. Oh my god, yes. that is real. But or not like a smushed up against zone. like the big giant glass windows of some at, rich person's apartment. I did that at the standard, the the standard <laughs> at on the line. I remember I mean, doing that one time and having the guy be like, "I was like, are we gonna like? Isn't somebody gonna see us?" And he was like, "I don't fucking care." And I was like, "You're so <laughs> like, either. Either. get it, get it." I mean, I refer you back to my first. Two impure thoughts, which both dealt with public sex. One at the sip and twirl, and right. two under the sidewalk on Ooh. West Seventeenth. Is the right. sip and twirl even <laughs> so public wet. sex? The sip and twirl is meant I for public sex. I forgot about West Seventeenth Street. West I do. I love the risk of getting caught, and I think it goes Herstory. back to her street. Build <laughs> <laughs> a monument. Yeah, monument to the basement. Oh yeah. Where there was Stonewall. There was the Compton Cafeteria. Right? <laughs> Yes. And then there was West Seventeenth. So, that's right. So many places. <laughs> um, that's that's where the first forget stone wall was thrown from. This major got nothing on you, Tal. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Oh. Yeah, no, I love I love it. Public, God. I do. Take us to the intros. Hey, what's up? 
up? I'm Tommy Tibbs-Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and all-around bitch. Yeah, that is 100% true. Ow, mm-hmm. ow. Uh, I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I hate that this is discourse, but I showered today. Oh, I well, don't believe it. We're not going to congratulate you for doing the bare minimum. I don't. <laughs> well, it, it's discourse, but it's also like that is a victory over my clinical depression. So, okay. did, well, you, did you did you wash your legs though? I actually did. So I've been. I've <laughs> now been, that's a victory. I have been. I have been put off by all of the white men tweeting that their families don't shower, and I've started washing my. Jake, legs. You and Jake Gyllenhaal. You and Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> are in cahoots. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor, and. Uh, I would love to be your recurring third if you are <gasps> oh. a couple that is looking. Yeah, uh-uh. I don't want the responsibility uh-uh. of being a partner, but oh no, yeah, third. I would. I'll come back. Yeah, I'm reliable. Mm. I appreciate it. I, I, it's you know, it's a special, it's a special thing. The recurring third, um, and I'm Den Michelle, and I'm a reader and a writer, a former figure skater, and Rihanna is the only billionaire whose dick I'll suck. <gasps> uh, that is a lie. That's hot. You would no, suck yeah, a lot of billionaires. <laughs> Is a not. You would probably uh, fucking hook up with right. Elon's Musk. I mean, really? No, ma'am. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I don't not know about Elon, Elon Musk, honey. <laughs> yes, you would. I don't know. <laughs> yes, you I don't would. Know what Elon Musk is the name of the anonymous erotic novella that you <laughs> publish after Elon's Musk. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, under a pen name that no and no one knows it's you except we all know it's you. Yeah, you would totally breed that Elon's Musk if you buy everything on you your would. Amazon wish list, bitch. <laughs> You know what? You know what? You right. You right. Did he? He's the. He, is he the Tesla guy? Is that what he did? Oh yes, yes, baby. Oh yes. yeah. So I get a free Tesla. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Speaking of your Amazon Elon, wish list, um, I I think Jeff Bezos is someone you would also. Have <laughs> I did say that. He did. No offense. He looks he like is. someone you have had sex he, with. He's he too, is absolutely too young. my too young. Too young. <laughs> he's a bit spry. But for he's, he, yeah, I mean, he's got a, he's got to age a little bit more. He's got to cook a little bit more in the oven. But um, and he also he's not, very has to not to be an evil billionaire. Yes, yes. <laughs> Den. Maybe like remember that time Den broke up with a sixty-year-old billionaire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, now Despite that... the fact that he had a house on Fire Island. Oh, God. That, I was young and stupid and believed in love back then. Mm. Well, today uh, we're going to get into a little fun and games with Fran. Uh, we're going to do some healing and we're going to end with potentially the widest thing we've ever talked about. Wow. Mm, take us away. Buck, 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 buck. I'm feeling a little bit peckish. Let's start the top of the show the way any good top should with our little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes, I believe Fran got a game for us today? That's right. Well, you know, today in this episode, we're talking about cancellation. So it only makes sense that we should play a game that will definitely get us canceled. I cannot wait. Listen. I'm so excited. Uh, so instead of, you know, uh, making blanket statements about whether people are tops or bottoms, today yes. we're going to play a little game called Gay or Queer. <laughs> yes. I don't know. We're this a, is the discourse. And we're going to run through, you know, pairings. I'm going to I'm gonna help us uh, b- b- break through, like, what it is we want to talk about, which is obviously, you know, queerness and yes. queer theory in a very serious and smart way. Oh, my God. Um, that does not sound like us. <laughs> oh, no. So many is. degrees. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I'll, I'll just start. Let, we're going to do th- some pairings. We're going to decide okay. which one is gay and which one is queer. Okay. It's very simple. Very simple. Ahem. <clears throat> Oprah and Gail. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Oprah, I mean, I don't want to go. I, okay, I'll go over. I think Oprah is gay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oprah's I agree. giving big, boisterous, like billionaire. You no, know, problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, billionaire. Also, like very, like I know what's good and what's bad. Yeah. Which yeah. Seems very gay. Love that to do seems that. very gay, and she's very. I mean, she's very capitalistic. But I will say this: I Gail Gail's interview with R. Kelly made me feel like she might be a little queer. That's right. Mm. I the feel like Gail, she Gail is that. serving queer in that mm-hmm. we've heard of her less than Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's definitely not as wealthy. <laughs> yes, so that's yes. pretty queer. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oprah's gay in that she owns a lot of property. A, a lot of property. <laughs> so much property. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, <laughs> we all needed a little Bell Hooks landlord yeah. discourse. That's what we all needed. And today. I get the sense from Gail that she's potentially licked a boot in her day. I, oh, Oh, very oh, uh, 
I for agree. sure. I think she's had her boot licked. Gail, I, she gives me very top energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gail, Gail can get kinky. Where like, um, mm-hmm. uh, Stedman has to beg Oprah to use the strap. <laughs> beg, <laughs> beg, and Oprah's like. <sighs> you know this isn't really my thing. Like, <laughs> I think she's like, has I will lay beg. here and let you sit on it. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, she's fine. that top. Fine. She's that top. She I is that top. Totally and lie down on the bed, and you can do you what you can need to do. Bounce up and down, <laughs> move those hips in a circle, do whatever you need to do. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Beyonce and Solange. Oh wow. Oh. Oh okay. What do you think, Den? Okay. I mean, to me, Solange is fucking queer. She's always been queer. Yeah. To me, from the very beginning. I feel that all, too. Yeah. All the way back to um, the, the Soul Angel album from like 2008. Mm-hmm. To me, she was always queer. She was always there. Soul Angel and the Hadley Street Dreams. Yes. Absolutely. Which is so hot. And I was listening to actually on the way here. Um, Beyonce, I feel like, is gay with um, some burgeoning queer tendencies oh you think i think i think i could i could see that i could also see that maybe beyonce started out queer and got more gay and solange actually started out gayer and then progressively got more queer okay how about this beyonce started out queer got gay and then got queer again oh yeah okay and solange i think is queer in that she talked about black lives matter like four or five years before beyonce did (laughs) yes (laughs) yes but i think that makes sense what beyonce did with the album or redid with the album right, and yeah. you know we call that Beyonce-ing now when but you she... drop something without advertising it that's mm-hmm. a Beyonce she yeah, changed yeah, yeah, yeah. the game she queered she music she yeah. queered <laughs> Uh, no, oh. not that. I do. I do have to say the losing you music video is a, a queer oh, vibe. Yes. Oh, the yeah, the aesthetics is queer AF. Dev Hines and is a, queer. Yeah, and there's a I lot mean, of stuff. A literally. lot of stuff oh, in Lemonade that feels a city queer. Bike the other day. Oh my god. Oh, I was like, so I was like, beautiful. He's oh. so hot. Oh dear. <clears throat> okay. R two D two and C three PO. Oh my god. This one should be easy. I mean, um, C three PO is very gay. Very anxious, yeah. very high yeah. stress. That does feel that queer. Feels, that feels very queer. That feels very queer. And there's, our, and there's one hole in C3PO's booty, so you know <laughs> oh. the dick goes in there. <laughs> so that's a little gay to me. That's, that's a little gay. I think C3PO is gay, and R2D2 really? is queer because R2D2 has to like fix everything. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. The gays are right? the ang- ang- anxiety-ridden ones, and the queers are like, okay, let me go in and handle this. And, no, like, I feel like queers are so anxious. Come, on. I mean, queers like we're all on Lexapro. Uh, I think there is not a queer out there that's not on an SSRI. No. Or we at least like it. Molly or alcohol or something. <laughs> Molly and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Ketamine is an antidepressant. That's yeah. right. R2D2 also is hard. It doesn't come across well. No. She's very queer to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Difficult to understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, keeps to herself. Yeah. <laughs> just, just their be- self. Beeps sorry. and beeps and bloops. You know? Oh, yeah. They, them. They, they them. them. For yeah. sure. For <laughs> sure. They, them. Ahem. <laughs> uh, Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> oh. Why is that so funny to me? I mean, because one is clearly queer. I, mean, I will let y'all figure it out. Clearly, the cheese is the queer. It brings all the flavor. Disagree. Macaroni has two holes. Dan. Uh, exactly. Macaroni no. has two holes, no. and it's curved. Yes. No. Queers are curved. Yes. That's queer. Curving I, is I queer. <laughs> Macaroni I is disagree. one personified whole. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It is just begging to have something in both of ends. Yeah. yeah really. There's exactly. so many different flavors of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. There's moldy cheese. Oh, there's is, is that what you call your brioche cheese now, Dan? That is the new nickname, in fact. Your moldy, moldy cheese. No, no, no. 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 Okay. <laughs> no. New York and Los Angeles. New York. I, LA both is gay. gay. LA They're is gay. gay. They're both gay. No, I, just, I think New York is queer. Oh. I, I think, think if we were, if we had to pick one. Maybe I West 17th Street. Maybe <laughs> West 17th Street. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a few, there's a few um, blocks Brooks in Brooklyn Craig. that feel very queer to me. Yeah, but Brooklyn feels there's, very there's queer. There's a few places Bush, there. Bushwick, and that it's being aggressively gentrified. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> Mary Kate and Ashley. (laughs) I would say they're gay. Elizabeth Olsen is queer. Oh, Oh, they're both gay. That's a good. I like that. They are both pretty gay. I agree with that. 
I agree with they that. Also, they, they, oh, they, oh, and every single picture, it, like, they did the surprise eyes where they're like, somebody's taking my picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that Mary-Kate is... Is gay for sure because she accidentally killed Heath Ledger, and, uh, oh and that, and that uh, I think that the gays are always accidentally killing people. You know what I mean? Or on like involving drugs in some way. They got like, people onto oh the shit. God. They hit yeah. people to the shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then they like that's a good take point. no responsibility mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> that's a, none. Enablers. None whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very dated den reference. But if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't YouTubed the very Mary Kate. Um, oh, show. that is so dated. <laughs> it's wow. so good. But it was. Though. It was I had really to watch time. it all the time. It is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just learn new things about y'all every single time we mm-hmm. do this. <clears throat> water and sparkling water. <laughs> 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 the sparkling water is definitely the queer one. You think? Yeah. You think uh, bubbles are queer? Yeah. <laughs> I wish everyone could see Fran's little I'm, I'm, I'm wapping my arms. Just like, <laughs> that would wap means? Wow. Wapping. <laughs> Fran's I feel wap like is... bubbles are gay, bro. <laughs> Wow. I'm that honestly homophobic. <laughs> I will say I'm trying to incorporate bro into my lexicon, so <laughs> it's fun to use knowingly. I mean, how, how the is Olympic that bro is bro? Well, that. just because I think femmes using the word bro is awesome. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bro? okay, I'm okay. down with that. Like, have you quite... watched Betty on HBO? All these yes. skate girls saying bro and shit. I am so turned on. That is my sexuality. It's such Get a, a hot good show. femme on a skateboard. I could watch that shit all fucking day. Uh, mm. Me too. Well, I don't know what that is, but. I've been watching. <laughs> I was watching this um, gymnastic series called Golden on Peacock, and all of the top American girls were calling each other bra. And I, I was it. like, I was like, love oh, it. maybe I should try that. I haven't quite been able to fix my lips to do it yet, but one of these days, <laughs> one of these marked. days, yeah, mm-hmm. probably in about three years. Well, thank you all so much for playing. That was wow. truly terrifying. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Mm, it's time for the meat of our discussion. The thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And to sling our sauerkrauts all cheechy this week, we've got <laughs> not, Joe. Not sauerkrauts. Oh. Sal cheechy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I quit. Um, so it's me, Joe O, the science ho. Uh, this is going to be very on brand for me. But did you know that if you live long enough, some really dark and bad shit is just going to happen to you? You'll get your heart broken. You might lose someone close to you like I did in 2009 when when one of my best friends from college died unexpectedly of the flu. Mm. Every day when I look at my dog, Maxie, I am just certain that he's going to die before I am. Oh, That's keep just hope alive. You might the, die soon. <laughs> I know. Yeah. If only. Yeah, Joe. Uh, and when he does, he'll leave a hole in my life that I don't know how I'll fill. Given the certainty of loss, how do we keep on living? How do we heal? I'm a firm believer in neither forgiving nor forgetting, but I do believe in healing. Something we do inside ourselves regardless of the harm done to us or the loss we felt. To launch off, my dears, for you... Is forgiveness of a person or God or the world a part of your healing process? No. Yes. Oh, oh, I love this. I love this. Tommy, I would say that it's not always a conscious decision to forgive because of anger. I think usually I get too angry to actually consciously want to forgive somebody, but I I believe, and we've gotten into this in the past, but I do believe in letting go. And mm. forgiveness is the, the the thing that unlocks that thing for me. And usually it's kind mm. of by accident where I realize that I've achieved a fullness of myself that I don't necessarily have to hold it against a person anymore. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said no because, I mean, I I definitely need other people and entities to heal, but the person who has enacted harm has yeah. no part of my healing. Like, right. I, I don't need... To hear them say I'm sorry, like yeah. it will never do anything for me. I don't. I, yeah, I, that's the thing. I don't think I ne- necessarily need the, to hear. I don't need to hear from them contrition, right? Yeah, right. yeah right. no, right. that's right. that that performance. But yeah. also, like, I don't. When I have a conversation with myself about healing, I'm never thinking about like forgiving them or forgiveness. I think that a lot of like when I get into like altercations with people, which is extremely rare, honestly, um, I feel like um, that is often, like, time is the only thing that will get me through mm-hmm, that process. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. you, Dave? Um, I, it's a little bit of both. Like, I definitely align myself a lot with Tommy's idea for me, um, for moving on from something when I've been wronged. I have to 
forgiveness is it, it might be like the last step but that's what i need to do in order to be able to just move on and and move that wrong from taking up too much headspace for me mm-hmm. and it's super important that i do like whatever it is that i need to do in order to be able to move on from that but at the same time you can't depend on another person's contrition to give that to you yeah. because you may not you may not get that and they may not um they might they may not even feel like they did anything wrong but you feel like you did so for me then they might not even be alive no more they right. might not even be alive no more and that's a thing too but i also know that for me when i have wronged um i am i i seek forgiveness i would like to be granted that if i right. can and so i feel like i have to if i'm going to seek it when i wrong someone mm-hmm. then i have to be willing to grant it even if i don't have to say anything to them or communicate to them i have to be willing to grant it that's right when i'm on the other side it's so I, hard to do that piece that missing piece that i always find is the key to unlocking a kind of forgiveness or i don't know generosity generosity is understanding mm-hmm. that understanding it from their perspective mm-hmm. yeah and that mm-hmm. like this is a part of forgiving my parents to be honest with you oh, wow. being older and and being their age mm-hmm. and understanding that like they were just pe- i honestly believe that most like 99 percent of people are doing the best they can they're just mm-hmm. people doing the best they can yeah. yeah i agree i um first began to kind of encounter that idea in a way that i could incorporate it actually when i was at sir lawrence and i was part of residence life and my boss always had this philosophy that she operated everywhere she was just like think well of people because they're doing the best that they can and you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and I also have had to work really hard to find ways um, to forgive things with my parents when I was coming out Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. again they were doing the best that they could they had the worldview and the understanding that they had Mm -hmm. and it was limited but it was theirs Mm -hmm. and within that I know that they were coming at me with love. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing is that it's interesting that there are people in my life who I can almost automatically forgive almost anything. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That, I, I kind of have that viewpoint on people as well, at least now. I didn't always, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've come a long way and kind of like um, pushing through moments where I feel like someone has hurt me by focusing. <laughs> I oh. hate that I'm referencing <laughs> There is... <laughs> An incredible RuPaul interview at the New York Public Library. <laughs> and when, and I, this is the first. Was it I the had, fracking? It was the, fr- <laughs> it was the fracking. Uh, the fracking? Uh, no, it was not the fracking. It was way before Ru's popularity. It was before I even watched the show. It was actually the first time I'd ever heard, heard Ru speak was mm. on this podcast. Um, and he t- says a bunch of crazy things. But he says something about forgiveness. And he says, you know, you know, one had one time I had a dream and and. Tammy Faye came to me in, in, in the, from the spirit world and she came up to me and she said, Rue, focus on their innocence, not their guilt. Oh my God. Oh my God. And how of he course like, it was Tammy Faye. Of course it was Tammy fucking <laughs> Faye. Drag queen. Like, Faye is drag queen I know, Tammy yeah. Faye. But I think in that is this like kernel of like Rue's sensibility of like focusing on someone's innocent as opposed to their guilt. Focusing, mm. focusing on someone who... Um, did something fucked up, but this is where they were ignorant. This is where they didn't realize what they were doing. Mm. And I think um, accepting other people's limitations is part and parcel of accepting your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There oh, are things God. I don't see. No. There yep. are people who I have effects on that I don't know that I don't know necessarily know that I'm affecting them in that way. And, and, and I would like to, if I fuck up, have generosity extended towards me as well. Yeah. I, I, go ahead, Fran. I was just going to say, like, I feel like, I have that when we get these like those little hiccup moments, I think they come up. They're coming up a lot um, in like interracial friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. and like something that I've been like navigating and like reconciling like angry thoughts I have toward white friends is like thinking about how I could choose to blame the individual or I can choose to blame the system we are Mm -hmm. all a part Mm -hmm. of and beholden to mm-hmm. um, and therefore complicit in, you know, perpetuating. For sure. And I think yeah. that that has kind of helped me heal as well. It's happened because having been in the experience of being in an all Native American writer's room, mm-hmm. then being the only Native in a writer's room, mm-hmm. those things come up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have to believe that the people in the room, and I do believe this because I love my job and I love my coworkers, it is through no fault of their own that they're ignorant of Native American history and that, mm-hmm. fa- you yeah. know, the, and, and certain, because those things were intentionally destroyed by the United States government. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. and, and so a part of 
me not getting angry in the room sometimes when, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do things like talk about the resolution of a character something or other. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, is there some kind of ceremony they can do? And it's like, or oh, they could just course. talk to their homie. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, How, yeah. can, can we just process the way that everyone else processes <laughs> yeah, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a ceremony. Because my boss and the people in the room are, are committed to authentic representation. That's how come mm. I have a job, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, so, but I mean, in two certain extent, I was like, I guess they have to ask, but it would never have come up in reservation dogs because. Right. right. I'm so glad they're, they're at least working like that, that in that, in a scenario like that, that they're willing to work with you. I actually recently just started, this is a slight tangent, recently just started watching American horror story Coven. Oh, and I love Coven. Of, it's so fun. I was yeah. about to make fun of it. So I'll oh, no, make, yeah, fun it. It. No, it. make fun of it. I watched it and I was like, were there any black writers on oh, the show? Oh, no, no. Like, they made Angela Bassett do this voodoo dance. And <laughs> no, I was no. like, there's no way there was not a single black person that was listened nope. to in that room. And I did nope. check all the writer's credits. Not a single black credited writer on that yeah. show. But it, I was, it's one of the better seasons. <laughs> and yeah, I know. I was like, damn, everyone yeah. told me this was the one to start on. And it's pretty racist. I, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's so true. It's so weird because everyone is coming here with so much generosity of spirit. And I feel like I have to be, I'm the one who's like, I don't forgive. Wow. Like, I just mm. don't do it. That doesn't mean I don't. A twist for you. That doesn't mean I don't empathize mm-hmm. with the person. And that doesn't mean that, like, if I, I, I think we're hitting on something really interesting, like, which is how you feel when harm's done to you versus how you feel when you do harm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I do harm, I'm like so desperate for forgiveness and for, um, you know, I'm, I'm very afraid of abandonment and like it, it just peaks huge amounts of anxiety in me and 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 i really want to think through like how i deal with that in a way that prioritizes the person who's been harmed as opposed Mm -hmm. to like my needs to feel okay about it but i just i actually get really angry at this notion that like forgiveness is necessary for healing Mm -hmm. to me it's like if someone i can forgive a lot of things but if someone pushes past to a level of harm that really like fucks up my life i i'm never gonna forgive them it's like a boundary for me it's like it's like i just need i need to accept the pain and move on and and you'll will you still inhabit space with that person no usually not no i i like it's like it's like when it gets and that's been really that's been a new thing for me because when i was younger in my 20s i was like oh it's so mature to always have your exes in your life or this or that like there's no rupture that cannot like hold space with and i'm not like that anymore i'm like this person and that like i don't hold space for those people if they're artists i don't feel obligated to read their art like if you've like push past one of those boundaries of mine I just I'm kind of like and I'm not so interested you're a grudge holder I'm a huge grudge holder you and Lauren Wilkinson are the same <laughs> so somebody could have done something little to her like tell her to like you know uh, I don't know point her face all the way at a party and she will just remember that for 20 years <laughs> like, I don't I, that. and she will forget why she has a grudge on that person oh I never you forget that I never forget you, that does, would you would you categorize that grudge as anger though it is anger but the thing is so i've gotten over a lot of grudges and i'm not going to name names because i'm sure you're not there are a lot of people (laughs) but Uh like but like for little things like if someone tells me to fix my face at a party i might hold a grudge but then like if we have mutual friends and we i see them in a different light in a different space i certainly might be empathetic why they might not want someone who looks like me to have their face fixed in a certain way at a party so it's fine like that type of thing is fine but i'm talking about like when when there's been like interpersonal harm that has like actually really hurt me yeah um i just i i really resent the notion that i have to forgive that person Mm -hmm. it feels like it's actually giving the other person a lot of power it's centering them Mm -hmm. it's centering them that's exactly what it is something that has nothing to do with that and and i don't i don't want an apology i don't want that person in my i just i like i i have to accept for me it's more about acceptance i have to accept the harm accept the pain and it's going to be something that i live with and and I like worked through this a lot with my therapist and he was like very pushing on forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And I, I just had to like fundamentally, I think point. we shifted together to be around like I actually don't need forgiveness in order to to move team. forward as best as I can. I keep thinking mm. about that one, that white cop lady who killed that black man in his own house. 
and oh, the hug the hug right what's that the yeah hug uh-huh and like that family having to say we forgive you uh-huh. and Ugh. you know the judge being like here's my bible and you know like the, there's so much oh, grace yeah. afforded to a white person who kills a black person that would never be afforded to Ugh. a black person that yeah. is so that is so the lie of for joe you're so onto something about how like when it comes to like forgiveness and how we structure it structure yeah. our lives into yeah. it it has a cinematic quality it does that yes. is actually so performative or has nothing to yeah. do with what's going on and right when you said that tommy i immediately thought of the movie crash oh and, God. and how oh, wow. films like that right, like crash right, right. and yeah. green book and like these kind of racial forgiveness um allegories are just the lie of forgiveness yeah. and the 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 how it's used as a device in like narrative movies well it's it's that thing it's like it's placating the person who's done harm yeah as opposed to healing the person who's been harmed yeah which is that the goal like i think like yeah. I, you want to i mean like within the emp- empathy i think joe you know I, I the reason i was surprised that you you know that that you can categorize that grudge as anger is because I would always I I could see that you're someone who holds on to everything, but I would see that as a kind of like woundedness. Yes, yes, and, yes, and it's yes. a wound you hold on to uh-huh. as opposed to like an anger. And I think that a lot of like the I think that you know maybe shifting this conversation slightly beyond like interpersonal harm and altercations that we get into. I find that the healing that we're having to do on a day to day is just the healing from the world at uh-huh. large and mm-hmm. all of the kind of really fucked up things that uh-huh. we have to endure on a day to day. Like what are all y'all's like everyday healing practices or things that you do to kind of get back up? Mm. I don't know. Honestly, I think writing in this weird way helps me metabolize the mm-hmm. shit of the world. Mm-hmm. It's always been my outlet. It's always been my, you know, my relationship to my creativity, my relationship to my artistry, my relationship to, um, uh, to, to, to that outlet. I think I've always been able to process because of writing. And in before mm-hmm. that, you know, honestly, when I was a child, it was like playing with action figures. There was oh, some so way cool. in which I could externalize what mm-hmm. was going on in here with like making the little GI Joes and the Barbies fight and fucking all that kind of shit. Which is like a yeah. writing in a way, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it it's narrative making and world yeah. building. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, being in motion, like my, literally my body yeah. physically being in motion is a huge part of how I process things. And it really opens my creative floodgates and it really opens my sort of emotional floodgates. And so for me, like writing is a part of that too, but it's more so when I'm writing longhand and I can focus on the motion mm. of my hand on the page. And there's mm. like exercises that I do that aren't even necessarily creating words on the page that I've learned from different writers and different teachers that just open me up sort of spiritually. And then also like, I obviously I will always work figure skating into a conversation, but um, <laughs> that sport came into my life at a time when I needed to do a lot of processing and literally just the practice of being able to get on this like cold surface and move around mm-hmm. and glide and feel this sort of freedom in my body was really important for the same reason. So I I'm a person who likes to be a body in motion and it can be small motions. It can be getting on a plane and going somewhere, but in some way, if I can just like move physically. Yeah. Momentum is so yeah. important. Oh, I'm yeah. a pacer. I really yeah. mm-hmm. I pace, too, too. I pace yeah. a lot. I have to take, I, I don't take walks as much as I should, but like it always helps. Yes. I have to go on a jog. I have to go on a bike ride. I have to like move my body. But then I think you're also talking about something that's like really important in like, an important option for healing processes is like doing something completely outside of the context of whatever you're going Mm -hmm. through. I think I've, I can't remember if I've referenced this on the podcast before, but there's this like silly story about like Carl Jung, famous like psychologist. Um, Y'all know Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. So he invented like our idea, our basically understanding of like the psyche as it, as it pertains to like psychology today. But up until he, invented the psyche i guess he didn't really um he was famous already he had a body of work but he couldn't figure out the psyche he was like what is it like i can't figure it out like what what am i I, i've got to get to the bottom of this you know like he's trying to like he's kind of trying to crack that like get his big break on the or you know get the big thing on the psyche he exhausted all of his resources he was like depressed his mom died in the process of all that throwing him into this like wave of grief and so he moved into like the mountains of Zurich or whatever (laughs) and decided to build like this insane, ugly castle by a lakeside in Zurich. He like built it himself. It took him like three months or whatever. And when he finished the house, he was like, 
I know what the psyche is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I think that yeah. that is like, a, I'm like totally fudging the history on that. So like Google to get the real facts. But like, <laughs> I love that it's like a, a, this kind of like testament to like, sometimes it, when you're so in the yeah. thing, yeah. the <laughs> hurt or the process, sometimes the only thing that will get you to the other thing is the path that you, uh, yeah. uh, not a path. Like something completely different. My my yeah. favorite artist, Agnes Martin, who is um an abstract expressionist, one of the most famous women of that movement, and just like her, pay- actually talking about one of the things I do to heal, um, her art in particular, um, these massive canvases of just like slightly different colors and horizontal lines, I just like sit in front of them sometimes and like cry. It's incredibly healing. You a bitch because I'm a bitch. <laughs> but she was like deep in the art world in New York and Jackson Pollock and all the other abstract expressionists, and she just like didn't have that in her brain. Like she just did not have the capacity for it. She literally moved to like fucking New Mexico, built a mud hut where she lived by herself for the rest of her life painting. And I, I like that to me is like a similar thing. And I definitely like you, Den. Uh, for me, um, and it's f- so funny actually. Something that you said earlier, Fran, that um, you know, I'm a very sensitive person. Everyone knows this about me, but like that you perceive that as as um, wounds. Um, I feel it. I feel wounds as anger. I'm actually a very angry person. Um, I'm angry at the wrong that's been done to me personally, but even more angry at the wrong that we're doing to the earth, the wrong that we're doing to one another through systemic forces. Like it is just, I'm full of anger all the time. And writing definitely helps me process that. But fundamentally, like I have to do something active with my body. It's mm-hmm. just like I have to go on a run or go to the gym. It's just like I feel all of it well up inside of me on a daily basis. Yeah. And I just have to do something with that with that energy. And it is usually exactly like you're saying, completely the opposite of the activist work or the writing work or even the community that I, that I like to surround myself with. It's just like I got to go put my – yeah on the ground i mean it's an expression of like what you're dealing with a lot of the time but also for me um two things about what you just said like being able to put myself into another space whatever that looks like is a reminder that the feeling the pain that i'm dealing with is not permanent that it Mm. is temporary Mm. and so for me it's like a man it's like a it's like a manifestation or a metaphor of just this that simple fact and like being being reminded of that and being able to remember that is super important for my healing. And then the other thing I was going to say is um, when you were talking about sort of being a very angry person and sort of calling yourself that, which is interesting because it's the sort of thing that I would probably never want to call want to say about myself on the face of it but when you actually dive deeper it's like really legitimate and makes a lot of sense is just um, I'm remembering the recent Toni Morrison documentary in which they're talking to Fran Lebowitz and she's like, you know, Toni's actually a very angry person. She's a very angry person. Um, But there are ways in which it comes through in her writing and ways in which it doesn't, which I just Mm -hmm. thought was very interesting. And when you think about these big ideas and you think about all all of the wrong that is in the world and that we do to each other all the time, um, there's good reason to be angry. Mm. I have a, I have a question maybe to sum up going back to Teeb's intro. Do you all heal? Through sexual loving, sexual healing. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've been, uh, I yes. feel absolutely some things, some things yes, and some things no. Yeah. I definitely do. Oh, you that surprises uh, me, friend. Yeah, I definitely do. I've definitely I figured that out maybe like a few years ago because I would just I would realize that the morning after sex I'd just be like floating to my oh, next wow. thing. Like mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it was someone that I didn't even care that much about. Oh. I think that the honestly just the movement and the the physical mm-hmm. catharsis combined with the feeling of being desired and yeah. that's it self being yeah desired, like feeling yeah just hot i think mm-hmm. that that does a lot to push me on a better path mm-hmm. i don't know if it's necessarily healing but it definitely helps mm-hmm. and puts me in a much better place. Mm-hmm. I think that there's this really beautiful line from um, the faggots and their friends between revolutions about how, um, as we've talked about in this podcast before, in this book, there are like the faggots and there are the men, um, which are like different entities. And they talk about how the faggots um, needed to not be horny because horniness mm-hmm. was a distraction from the revolution. Oh. So they always, always had sex or tried to get off or tried to have orgasms so that they, you could know, focus on could the focus on wow. a, a, totally, you know, upheaving society, I guess. Wow. Or whatever Which again, is just an allegory, but I think about that a lot. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's good justification and fascinating. Yeah. I would say for me, um, because one of the things is like, 
we have to heal when wrong has been done to us, but we also often have to or should be healing when we have done wrong. And so for me, a lot of times I have a hard time. I fully lean into the whole, like, especially when I was younger, not so much now, but I fully have leaned into that whole thing where, like, a white woman would say something problematic and then completely get upset and cry her white tears and make it all about her and her feelings. And, like, that's kind of how I often would handle guilt if I did something wrong when I was younger. Um, And so for me when I feel really guilty is when I really lose a lot of my feelings of self-worth mm-hmm. and, and like I'm okay. And then, and, and having to remember that I'm human. And so the point is that sex for me in some of those moments, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's, if it is with someone that I care about and who cares about me, um, that sort of tenderness, that sort of attention paid to my pleasure, it just reminds me that like I'm a human being and that I'm worthy of, mm-hmm redemption and that I maybe am worthy of forgiveness. And sometimes even if it's not about another person forgiving me, it's about me forgiving myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that way, sex can be very healing for me. I have a depression life hack, which is um, Ah. often when you're depressed, your libido goes down. But um, when for me, it's jerking off. It's like my little depression. I like set a little schedule three times a week. Life hack. Have you ever heard of wow. masturbation? <laughs> That's a if very depressed, you heard of jerking your nerkin? <laughs> it's, it's called a gherkin, friend. No. <laughs> no, but I, I I literally schedule it for myself. Uh, and I might not That's feel very friend of you. That's very friend of you. Scheduling wow. for sex with okay. myself. Okay, okay. We should all, let's all share our depression life hacks. Okay. <laughs> Mine is really embarrassing <laughs> oh my god yes it's very divorcee self-help book go on it's um chardonnay it's getting really really blitzed <laughs> like so stoned <laughs> so stoned and turning off all the lights and um standing in front of my full-length mirror and dancing <laughs> <laughs> and i'm wow. not joking so you are a Robin song. Yes, <laughs> wow. I am. I don't know what it is. I think that the euphoria of like the medicine that is marijuana combined with marijuana amplifying all the feelings that you have with music that you love mm-hmm. combined with the fact that I hate dancing and I'm really embarrassed of dancing and I think I'm not a good dancer. And all of a sudden you're in a full length mirror and you're like... I'm a great dancer. You know what I mean? There's I'm 50. Some, there's something healing and um, really propulsive for me when I'm like in a really big rut. Like that will do it for me, even mm. if only mm. for a few hours. I love that. Yeah, dude. Wow. I, I'm singing, to be honest with you. Oh, I just, if I lock myself in that bathroom, I let myself be loud, bitch. I will be singing for hours, mm. hours. And it, the thing is like, I don't feel it in my throat or nothing. Because I know how to project my <laughs> <laughs> loud ass face. <laughs> yeah, I do have loud ass face. So I like to get in that bad. I just, you know, it really, really helped me in early pandemic, like pandemic season one, because it was, it's a, because singing is a breathing exercise fundamentally. Is, yeah. mm-hmm. And it was, it's really, really good for elevating, elevating the old mood. I just can't wait to go back to karaoke. I haven't oh, done it in so long. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Um, I feel like Den has never been depressed one day in her life. <laughs> um, I, I, I would actually say that like a hot bath or a hot shower, mm, yeah. um, heat is really helpful for me in part because it also helps my breathing. Um, so anything where I just feel, so I guess it could be sex, but anything where I just feel a lot of heat, yeah. um, is going to be really, really restorative for me. Or even if it's a sunny day, like getting out into the sun and literally feeling like the rays of sun directly. Like if I feel like my skin is browning and the sun is just like on me, like that really inserts um, so much needed joy for me. So it's, it's vitamin D from the sun or vitamin D from the dick. Yes. Oh. Those are the, those Always are the vitamin D. <laughs> D, D, D. I'm feeling like I'm but I could fit one more thing inside of me. Den knows how I feel. So why don't you take it away, Den? Take, put the cherry on our top. Um, y'all. Sorry. I am so excited to talk about um my obsession, and this is very current of me, frankly. Um, fucking White Lotus. Oh my god! Yeah. On HBO, it is. So so 
good. I can't this show believe is so good. you are watching a show that is as out. it's on. Yeah. <laughs> it's on TV right now. It's, it New like, episode yeah. drops mm-hmm. tonight at nine. Yes, it oh, does. My yes, it does. I will be watching. It was basically because, I mean, okay, we all know, Jezebel said it, and we all know it's true. The show is basically a Jennifer Coolidge and Natasha Rothwell oh vehicle. God, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, those two people, like, paired against each other and so with good. each other, and like, on TV, I was like, I have to watch this, and I have to watch it immediately. I also, don't you feel like it's a little bit of a fantasy sort of escape in a way like we haven't really I mean we're traveling a little bit now but like no one can actually go to a place like that right now so it sort of takes you away from like what our circumstances are um the show is so good basically it follows a group of um they're a disparate group it's not like they all came together but they're all at this resort called the white lotus together there's a a a wealthy couple that's there on their honeymoon there's um a, a sort of wealthy family with uh, led by a woman played by Connie Britton. She's sort of like a like a Sheryl Sandberg lean in kind of like CEO type um, with a husband who's kind of like a beta and two kids. She's a girl boss. She's a girl boss. Which yeah. honestly, <laughs> would Connie Britton not like be that? She's so spectacular. Yeah, she's so um, her daughter, uh, the actress who plays her is on Euphoria. She's a nightmare in that. She's a nightmare in this, but it's kind of great. It's just like fun and sexy the and books mysterious. that they be reading oh my oh, god i know so freud con mm-hmm. like so it's good the it, I, something that i love about the show is has like an agatha christie-esque like mm-hmm. really rich wacky characters entwined around a very high stakes yeah like, it's problem. all about that ensemble yeah, yeah. it's yes. all about the ensemble and like i think on the acting level a lot of these people are giving something I've never seen from them before. Yes. Have never seen that from Natasha Rothwell. Nope. Has never seen this from um, Murray Bartlett from Looking. Nope. Have never seen this from Jennifer fucking Coolidge. Yes. Honey Britton. She plays that character so, so interestingly. Mm-hmm. Her, just gonna, like, the, she, she's doing the yes. Jennifer Coolidge thing, but she's she plays this, this uh, single rich white lady so haltingly. Yeah, yes. it's there's so much yes. there's so much awkwardness to it, mm-hmm. and you can see her mind. I mean, the character, not Jennifer Coolidge, but you can see the character weighing the options in her mind. Yes, like you I can. feel like she is a nexus of like white woman math meme. Yeah, yeah, yes. she is, and she's. Which I, I thought was Julia Roberts. Her time with the performance, <laughs> she's just like she commands every scene, even though the character is so unsure of herself. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that something I was listening to an interview with Jennifer Coolidge, and she was talking about how when they offered her this role, it was at the worst part of the pandemic, and she was bunkered down in New Orleans where she lives, and she was like, "We're all gonna die. I'm gonna die. Everyone I love is gonna die. I'm gonna die." And she was just, I mean doing all the things that we were we did when we were depressed mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. a quarantine. Um and so when they called her she was like, "No, the world is dying. <laughs> the world is dying. I, I, can't, the point? I can't do this. Like I, I this is we have to do it another time. Like I I'm just this is just not my tea." And she was so depressed and in such a dark place. And she also didn't like how she looked. Like she was feeling really bad about like her body and like how she didn't didn't feel like a, the movie star that she is. She's like, "Can we just do it another time?" and and they pushed her until she came to the role and she said that she brought all of that darkness oh, wow. mm-hmm. to the role, that anxiety, that that grief, um, and all the things that were stewing in her about her image. She brought it into this performance. And you see all of that. You do. It's so good. Did you guys see the ass eaten? Yes, we <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm one episode behind. Okay. So I, I, no, I knew it happened. I know okay. it happened. Because okay. I'm, but so, but yeah. It's yeah. not really a spoiler because you don't know who does the ass eating. But who did, because yeah. this is predicated on the fact that one of them dies, right? Somebody gets murdered. Someone gets murdered Some, and we don't yeah. know who. We don't who know do you who. think is getting killed? Who's getting the axe? Because the only person we know isn't is the one I want to kill the most. I which know. Which is the husband. Uh, he needs to die. The husband who's on the honeymoon <laughs> played by my future husband, Jake Lacey. No. He is, I, oh, come on. I he would absolutely, I, first of all, I would absolutely marry that man. And second, in the first, oh, come Not on. Not the character. Come on. Not we the all character. know that char- Both. Then, I would. Yeah! Uh, and I'll tell you this. In the yeah. first episode. Then gets to be Molly Shannon daughter-in-law. Which would be perfect. And in the first episode, when he when they're in their room and they, he realizes that they're in the wrong room and he's all like, oh, I'm going to go down and 
and make a stink and I'm going to talk to the guy because they put us in the wrong room and we're paying for the expensive room. And she's all, not only did I think it was hot, but the, the his wife, she's all like, no, don't make a big deal. You better believe I would be like, yes, honey, go down there. Do like, Take care of this. I want my private pool. Uh, yes, no. Absolutely. <laughs> I, am a, I am a wife. W H I F E. Yes. W H Y F E. Fully. Wait, New Yorker white man with with intergenerational wealth who went to Cornell. Yes, absolutely my tea. Absolutely my tea. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm just saying. I'm embarrassed too, but only a little bit. I was a little ambivalent about starting it until somebody told me that Natasha Rothbaum was in it, and I was like, I'm just. I watched the Sonic movie because Natasha Rothbaum was in it. I will watch anything. She's everything. Yeah, she's everything. I watched. So there was a Netflix series called The characters i believe and in each episode um one comedian played all of the characters in that show and one of them was natasha rothwell that's the first time i'd ever seen this before i think i'd even seen insecure and i was like i who is this woman and i want to see everything that she's in she like stole the show her episode was the best one by far it was laugh out loud funny and that sounds like this natasha rothwell we should be paying attention Mm -hmm. to her (laughs) she's also she's also not just funny she has all of the acting range um and i i Love her to death. I've never seen that, but I will now. Um, love her and insecure. And if we can just go back to Love Simon for a moment, which I have a lot of thoughts and feelings Wait, about. Were the we movie. ever at Love we Simon? Were never, ever, so. We literally no, we were never talking about Love Simon. Simon. Well, now we are for just a moment. <laughs> Natasha Rothwell plays Mrs. Albright. She's the teacher oh. in the movie, and she's the one. There's a scene where these two guys are sort of bullying Simon in the cafeteria, and they're like really yes, being. She dicks. has four lines and in the movie, and they're the best lines in the whole movie. <laughs> not they're the best lines in the movie, but also for me. Like I had that teacher. Like I had that teacher in high school. I had that woman. I'm still close to her today. Mm-hmm. I always say that I got through high school alive and well because of that teacher. Mm-hmm. And so that was my second time ever seeing her. And I just fell in love with her even more because Aww. she handled that so well and so beautifully, like as an educator and as an adult and as a um as an ally to a young queer person. Damn it. Now I have to see Love Simon because I know Natasha Rothwell's in it. Oh, no. <laughs> she is so let you can you, just you can just see the scene. The okay. movie I'll text you as the scene. a whole is not good. But let no. me tell you, Jennifer Garner ate that monologue <laughs> at the end and it, it, it makes the whole movie worth it. Best mm. acting moment of her life. Mm. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our home at Stitcher. Our producer is her own damn yoga pose, Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or I wear shirts with full sleeves. I'll oh, do it. No. No, I'll wear won't. sleeves. I, everyone knows I do won't. not like everyone that. Everyone knows I have the best tank tops on the you show. So. Uh, I am Tommy Teeves Pico. You can find me at Hey Teeves, H E Y T E E B S, on Instagram. I deleted Twitter. I'm Joseph Osmond. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Swishco on Instagram, Twitter, and you can find my newsletter in the link in my bio. And I'm Den Michelle, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Den Michelle, T H E D E N N E M I C H E L E. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read or Gay Sluts Horad, however you want to pronounce that one. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. Finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four in thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 